Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. In just a couple of weeks. But I want to invite them to come up this morning. Dwayne and Vicki, would you all come on and let's give them a hand. Let's give them a, a welcome this morning as they come. A proper welcome. God bless you, brother. Amen. What a joy it is to be with you. We would like to present the church with a little gift. It shows the Sea of Tiberias back in the, probably what it looked like in Jesus' day. And... Uh, it, it actually uh, lists a scripture from John 21 that Jesus appeared again to his disciples along the Sea of Tiberias, which is actually the Sea of Galilee. In the scriptures, it's called the Sea of Tiberias, uh, Lake Gennesaret, and also the Sea of Galilee. So we'd like to present that to you. Amen. Uh, last time we were in, we weren't able to, to be here. So we were excited to be with you this time and talking with Brother Don earlier on. There's a lot going on in this church. So we want to share a few pictures with you from Israel. Um, A few years ago, the Lord started moving in our hearts to send us out to the nations. We thought we were going to end up in Greece, but the Lord actually connected us with a missions organization and then gave us some training through that missions organization, and then used the relationships that we had been building for the last 15 years or so, and settled us in Israel. We actually thought we were going to be there for about 10 or 11 months before we were able to come home, but the Lord worked it out that all last year we were able to come back several times. So we were here for a couple months, and then we were there for a couple months, and then we were here for a month, and then we were there for three months, and different things. So uh, the Lord's allowed us to be able to come and to go. And uh, I'll share a little bit more about our calling and how that happens as, the, as we look at the scripture that talks about us being mo- motivated and what is our motivation, okay? So first of all, I want to share a few scriptures, if, I mean a few pictures, if uh, we can get them up. I know they had them up a little bit earlier. Okay, you don't have them? Okay. Maybe. What we did, we live, we live in a city called, in a village called Tehran. It is a, it's an Arabic village. That is, a, this is, this is the pastor. This man, we started forming a relationship with him about 12 or 15 years ago. And now, just this year, he was, he was established as the senior minister. I get a chance to meet with him each week. We live in his family's house, have our own apartment there. And, and he has vision problems, so I actually help him study, form his sermons, different things like that. He's a young man, about 37, 38 years old, that the Lord is raising up to be a major voice in the land. He has vision to reach Arabs and Jews and Muslims and just all, all kinds of people. And it's a blessing. He has an apostolic anointing, and the Lord is raising up the church there to be, a, to be an apostolic resource center that will actually help other churches. And he's just in, been installed as the senior minister, a major milestone. Part of that, what the Lord has been using for us to do this last year is to encourage the church and to uh, build them up and help them see the hand of God as the Lord's been moving, particularly this past year. So the next picture. This is our village. This is what the village of Tehran looks like. From across the road. It's all Arabic, 85% Muslim, 15% Christian. We're about 10 miles from the, from the city of Nazareth, and then we're also about uh, 20 minutes from the Sea of Galilee. All right, that's our church building right there. And they're, they're actually working in the top of the church building. Uh, it was an apartment for a pastor years ago, and now they're renovating that. That might be our new home. We've actually helped the church learn how to set up a guest house. We've actually had people in our apartment uh, from different places in the world. Next one. This is our congregation. And they're waving to you to say hi. Yep, so you guys can wave back. All right. This is a, young, this is a man that has a mill, a spice mill shop there in the city of Nazareth named Tony. I've been able to pray with him several times. First time I prayed with him, he said, I felt the Holy Spirit being imparted. And the Lord's really building his faith 
and bringing healing to his body, and I get a chance to meet with him. Every Christmas and every Easter, they have a, a, a parade that, that the scouts play their bagpipes and their drums and lead the, the celebration with the, with the city dignitaries, the mayor, and, uh, and the Muslim sheikh, and the Catholic priest, and the evangelical pastors of our church. And then as they pass by your house, uh, then if you want to join in, you just join in and go down to the convention and they share a few words. So this happens every Easter and every, every Christmas. Next one. That's the Easter picture. Next one. Uh, our first Christmas there, we were actually able to go to four different preschools there in the village of Tehran and help set up a puppet show. We even did the puppets. Uh, you can do puppets without learning Arabic. And... Uh, you see the Muslim woman in the back. The children are from Muslim families and Christian families, and so they're sharing. The man there, he's, he's an evangelist there, and, and uh, Ziad's wife, Rhonda, um, works with him. So we were actually able to help set up the puppet show and do that to present the birth of Jesus and why he came and the love of Jesus to Muslim and Christians. You can, again, you can see the Muslim lady clearly paying attention there. Next one. We've been a part of regional church meetings, different churches throughout the Galilee area. Huh? Yeah, prayer meetings. Next one. And this is a youth meeting where uh, the Lord's really raising up a lot of youth there. And here we were actually, uh, at the end of the service, we actually were able to help train a couple of young ladies how to pray and minister to people. Next one. Of course, building relationships is a big part of any type of ministry. So these are the young ladies that uh, we're building relationships with. You see Vicki right there in the middle of them. Next one. Um, last year, they had not had any children's ministry for three years because their parking lot was messed up, and the government said it's unsafe. I didn't think it was, but the government did, so they couldn't have it. It just so happened in God's providence that this year, Part of his hand moving was that the city actually came in and paved the parking lot. They hadn't done it for two or three years now, and they hadn't paved it. Not only did they come in and pave it, but they paid for it. And so that, uh, pun intended, paved the way for us to have children's ministry for the first time in three years. A group from uh, the state of Georgia actually came in and helped with this. We hosted them in our apartment and uh, we, were, we were just excited, and the village was very excited to see children's ministry happening again at the church there. Next one. This is the group from Georgia. Um, on the left is Zied, and on the front right is his parents, um, our uh, Arabic parents. They've adopted us into their family. Next one. This is a group from, um, from Germany. There's a network of churches. Because what God's been doing is he's, he's been directing people's attention towards Pastor Zied and the church there. And again, it's just in God's providence. This happened this past year. We intentionally set up our apartment. We have a, uh, actually a four-bedroom apartment with two and a half baths. And uh, when, when we've actually had 10 people, counting Vicky and me, staying in our apartment. And we intentionally set up our apartment to be a guest house to show them how, how to host other, other ministers and other, other teams coming in. So that's been another major thing we've done. Yeah, that was our living room there. This is on the backside of Tehran. There's a mountain, and so we're on top of the mountain, and we're praying over, over the village of Tehran here. Next one. Uh, the, the German team was invited into people's homes. We didn't know if we would be invited, but we were, which worked out real good because we were able to to actually introduce them and I actually ended up leading a lot of that. And the Lord would give me some personal encouragements uh, for the people. And uh, so here we are. We had not been able to get into people's homes uh, like this and all of a sudden there it was. When the German team left, they said they were a team of six and the Lord took us, they felt like, and just merged us in and made us into a team of eight. It was a very impactful week that they were there. Next one. We were also able to be a part of a baptism. You want to get baptized in Israel? You don't have a baptistry in your church. You go to the Jordan River, of course. 
<laughs> so we had about six people that were ready to express and walk out their faith in Jesus. And uh, I was able to be a part of just praying with them as well. I've been able to preach in our church. Next one. There I am praying for a guy as I was preaching, as the Lord gave me an encouragement for him. Next one. Preach, uh, in, in, uh, we've preached in, and taught in several different places. This is in another, another church in Nazareth. Vicky's a part of the women's group that meets each, each uh, Friday. Disciples some women there. Next one. This is Pastor Ziad being installed just this past November as the senior minister of the house. So a major milestone there. Next one. And then Vicki, uh, a door opened up for her. They had talked about us possibly teaching some English classes. And uh, so this uh, past fall, Vicki actually started teaching an English class using the scriptures. And she'll tell you a little bit more about that. So women came hungry, so hungry they wanted the youth taught. So it's been a major, major hit. Next one. The Lord also opened up a door for me. In the city of Nazareth, there's a patch of about five acres of land that has a living history village that presents what it was like to live in Nazareth in the first century when Jesus grew up there. And so they have about 15 different exhibits. And as I lead the tours through there, I'm one of the tour guide leaders now. And as I lead the tours... You really presented the gospel, stories from Scripture, stories that Jesus taught, and they come alive right before your eyes. And so um, in August, I was actually trained, and uh, they have about 50 or 60,000 people from nations all around the world that go through there. And I'm able to be one of the guides that that presents the gospel uh, as we show them what it was like to live in the first century. Next one. So God established us there. This is us celebrating our anniversary um, back in uh, December in the city of Haifa. And it's, people dress like we dress over there. There's cars. There's traffic jams. There's all kinds of things. People don't walk around in robes, and it's not all desert, and they don't ride on camels, okay? So uh, it's very different. People aren't throwing rocks at each other and all that all the time. It's actually very safe there. Um, it is, uh, uh, you know, a lot that happens there affects the rest of the world. So uh, we're, we feel privileged to be a part of what's going on there. So Vicki's going to share a little bit, just a little bit about uh, an English class, and then we're going to share a song. Um, when I was, we first got there, they talked to me about things maybe I could do. So in the past year, I have just been a part of the women's group and go to everything the ladies do and just get to know them. And so back in uh, the last of the fall, I approached them and said, I believe that the Lord had given me an idea on how to share the, with uh, Flora Goy's idea of sharing the story. So I took the parables, and I broke them down into very simple sentences. I put a picture beside each sentence, and they read the parable in Arabic, so I know they know what we're talking about. And then I begin to teach them the parable. And so they say it back to me, I say it to them, they say it back to me. And we go back and forth as we go each sentence and we connect them. And then with her idea of you ask questions, I tell them now, talk to me in English. And I ask them the questions like in the very first one was the lost coin. So I said, why was the woman so worried she lost her coin? And they said, oh, it, it was a lot of money, she was poor, those type of things. So as we talked, I said, so the coin is valuable. And they said... Oh, valuable, because they, they, we do vocabulary words. They wrote it down. And I said, do you know that Jesus sees you as valuable? And one lady said, we're the coin. I said, we are the coin. And so I just went through each of those sentences and again connected it to what Jesus was saying about us and how he's connected. And, and there was so much joy and excitement in them as they were seeing this and understanding it as we were talking and uh, there just seemed to be this whole thing going on, and they constantly were saying, this is good, this is good, and this is so simple, this is easy, you need to teach others, this is so easy, so they asked me what I teach the children, and um, so they started a youth class, and so I have a, a Monday morning class of women, a four o'clock afternoon youth because they, they come after school, and then another 5 o'clock with the women, and they've asked me to consider doing the children, and then all like that. So we're looking at how God will open more. And I told Dwayne, and the other thing is, is as 
floor taught me that how do you use the story? So after we do all of this and I come back the next week, they tell me the story. And then I said, so how can you use the story so that you can tell others about Jesus? And so we talk about it. So I said, I get to do three things. I'm teaching English. I'm doing ministry to the people and telling them more about Jesus. And I'm training evangelists at the same time. So this is a wonderful thing for me, and I'm enjoying it. One day, Vicki was at a meeting, a women's meeting, I think, and I grabbed a guitar, sat in the living room just to spend some time with the Lord. Ended up in Psalm 48, and um, where it talks about great is the Lord, and He is to be greatly praised. He is to be exceedingly praised. And I just started singing and worshiping the Lord and looking at that scripture, and, and out came a song. And uh, so we want to sing that with you. And uh, as you catch on, maybe you can sing along with us. Can you hear the guitar out there? Do I need to? Is that good? Okay. All right. So it comes from Psalm 48, verse 1. The, the, the psalm actually goes on and talks about Zion. And, you know, Zion was the place where David came and brought the ark. Now, there were still sacrifices going on on Mount Gilboa, but not on Mount Zion. It was a place where the ark was set up differently than what Moses said. It was the revelation that David had where people could come and experience an intimate presence of the Lord freely. They could come by his grace. So that that David even says in Psalm 32, Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions the Lord does not count against him. And so it was a place of freedom. It came to be uh, synonymous with Jerusalem, actually came to be synonymous even with the nation. If you've walked with the Lord, and you've, you might have heard this term from the Old Testament, daughter of Zion. And so Zion is the special place in Jerusalem where people could come and experience the intimate presence of Jesus and the intimate uh, uh, revelation of who he is. Okay? All right? And, and so that was where they were to experience it. Today, where is Zion? Z- Today, Zion is the church. We are the city of God. We are the holy place <clears throat> where people should come and be able to see how great our God is, how strong he is, how loving he is. And they should be able to come and come freely because Jesus already paid the price, right? So let me, let, let's introduce this song to you as you catch on. Uh, whether the guitar is coming out in the speakers or not, you can sing along with us, okay? It goes like this. Great is the Lord. He is to be exceedingly praised. Great is the Lord. He is to be exceedingly praised. In the city of our God, His holy mountain, in the city of our God, His holy mountain, in the city of our God, His holy mountain, He is to be exceedingly praised. I sing along with us. Great is the Lord, He is to be exceedingly praised. Great is the Lord, He is to be exceedingly praised. In the city of our God, His holy mountain, in the city of our God, His holy mountain, in the city of our God, His holy mountain, He is to be exceedingly praised. In the city, in the city of our God, His holy mountain. In the city of our God, His holy mountain. 
in the city of our God, His holy mountain. He is to be exceedingly praised. He is to be exceedingly praised. He is to be exceedingly Great is the Lord. He is to be praised, but not just praised. He is to be exceedingly praised. Amen? Amen. Just let it hang. All right. That'll preach too. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 is the key verse that Pastor Don started in the series last week, right? Therefore, my dearly loved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Pastor Don asked me to share this week about what motivates us in our work, our work for the Lord. Last week, he introduced this series talking about revelation, that What is born of the flesh is flesh, but what is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that the the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit. But if we have the Spirit of God inside of us, God opens up things for us. The very deep things of God. His Spirit speaks to our spirit. And all of a sudden we have the now word. The rhema word of God. It comes to us, breathes life into us. And then we have revelation and we see how to work in the things of the Lord. Now, we see that in the scripture, it talks about, it uses a phrase called the work of the Lord. Now, when I was a young man, I I was taught, and it was good teaching, it was good teaching, but I was taught whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, right? So if you're eating a hamburger, you should do that to the glory of God just as much as if you're singing a song from Psalm 48, verse 1, right? That really helped me. It really helped me to understand that everything that I do should be breath, breathed. It should be birthed by the Spirit of God, and it should be to His glory. I missed some of the teachings that there are sacred moments, especially sacred moments. Yes, eating a hamburger can be sacred, right? But, yeah, it all depends how good it is. That's right. But... It's not as sacred as when I'm praying for somebody to receive Jesus. It's not as sacred as when I'm standing before a congregation of God and delivering the word. It's not as sacred as when I met with my daughter yesterday and I said, let your prayer be, I trust in you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. As you roll back to to the room, ready for the C-section for the birth. I was able to say that to my daughter. And she says, yeah, okay. That was sacred. Eating a hamburger can be sacred, but not that sacred. Okay? So, yes, everything that we do is supposed to be to the Lord. If I go to Walmart and I'm buying a shirt, I should be so sensitive to the Lord that I can buy the shirt and smile at the cashier. But if there's somebody over there that's in a wheelchair and the Holy Spirit prompts me to go over and say, you know what? I just believe the Lord wants to heal you. Why don't you rise up in the name of Jesus? I can even go into more sacred moments. Okay? So the more sacred moments is what the Scripture talks about, the work of the Lord. Okay? Because Colossians 3 says, you know, when you go to your job, you're supposed to be a good employee. You're supposed to get there probably a little bit early, maybe stay a little bit late, give them a full day's work, work at it enthusiastically because it's the Lord Christ you're serving. And you're actually going to get a reward. When you're working for the city and you do your job well, if you're doing it as under Christ, you're actually going to get a reward for that. Okay? 
And as important as that is, as important as, as a government official or police officer, because Romans 13 says they're servants of the Lord, right? It's not the work of the Lord that this scripture is talking about. What is the work of the Lord? It's when you're actively publishing and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, bringing people into a relationship with a living and personal, strong and mighty and loving God. And when you work to to build that relationship. Okay? That's what the work of the Lord is. So we're to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Bringing people to Christ because we have the ministry of reconciliation. And we help people grow to be intimately acquainted and knowledgeable and relational with our God. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The New Living Translation says, I will show you how to fish for people. Okay? So there's, there's a way to do the work of the Lord. And this is what I want to focus on today. I believe by the Spirit of God that he says, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When your labor is actually in the Lord, this, this word labor means that. It means to actually work at it. Okay? And so you're actually working at the work of the Lord. You're, you're putting forth some strong effort. And when you do that, and it's actually in the Lord, it's not in vain because it has eternal rewards and it has eternal impact. Whether or not that person receives it. You know, everybody didn't receive the prophet Jeremiah, but we have his words in our, in our holy scriptures, right? Because, because his work was not in vain. And when you do your work in the Lord, it's not in vain. It's not ineffective. It's not useless. It has eternal impact. Now, some people, they try to go about telling people about Jesus, actually trying to bring them to the Lord, but a lot of it's ineffective. A lot of it ends up being in vain because they're not actually in the Lord. They're in their own thinking. They're in their own devices. They're in their own ways. Maybe they got the initial revelation, but they ran off and did it their way. Okay? And so it ends up being ineffective. I believe it was to the Thessalonians. Paul said that my work among you was not ineffective. That when I came there, the Holy Spirit moved strongly among you with signs and wonders, and you received the work. And there was much persecution, but you, you were steadfast. You were settled. And so to the Corinthians, he says, you be steadfast. You be immovable. Let your love for Jesus be strong. Do you remember if you walked with the Lord? Do you remember when you first came to the Lord? Do you remember that? For some, it may have been just a few years. For others, it's been many, many years. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord about eight or nine years old, walked with him. Then he filled me with his spirit when I was 16, called me to preach when I was 18. You know, Jesus is alive. And if you actually have that relationship with him, you should be able to tell people and even recount to yourself and recount to the Lord, I remember when your hand moved on me at this milestone in my life. And it helps you become steadfast. It helps you become immovable. It helps you to abound in the work of the Lord and doing so so that it's not ineffective. You know, when David faced, faced the Goliath, you know, and, and, and Saul was saying, here, put my armor on. He put the armor on. He, you know, it wasn't made for him. He said, this isn't mine. I, I can't do this. And Saul was saying, you're just, you're just, you're not even trained. This guy, he's been trained since he was a youth. And who are you? He said, God gave me the bear and the lion that I killed with my own hands. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be just like them. 
Okay? So you go back and you recount the things that God has worked inside of you. And you say, this is the way the Lord's saying to do it. Okay? So it says, it says, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not ineffective. It's not useless. It's not empty. All activity is not ministry. Okay? All activity is not ministry. Sometimes, and pastors get into this, ministers get into this many, many times. They're so busy, 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 busy that, yes, they're active, but it's not really being effective. What about you in the work of the Lord? Have you been ineffective or have you been effective? Have you been doing the work of the Lord? We're supposed to abound in the work of the Lord. You should be abounding in helping people come to know who Jesus is. You should be abounding into that. And we should be able to do it effectively. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 that he labored as a skilled master builder. You know, if, you're, if you've been building a building and you have any experience at all, you can tell somebody how to do it. But if somebody's been doing it for many, many years and they're experts at it, they can show you the best way to do it. We should learn how to build the building of God. Right? We should learn the best way to fish for people. There are people that have, that have uh, fishing tournaments. And they can tell, I mean, they have rods and they have bait and they have the places to go. They've even been fixing that, right? Even, even putting down some trees. They know where the trees are. And then when a tournament's going on, they know how to catch fish. We should know how to fish for people. We should know how to build as a skilled builder. When I go to churches, there are some churches, they want to have different people in, and they want a blessing. And that's okay. But it may not be effective. I don't want to just be a blessing. I want to build. One of the things I was excited when Destiny City was, was established was that Don and Becky were, they had prayed, they were looking, they were considering different options, and the Lord very clearly directed us all in our prayers, stay here in Salisbury, this is where I have you, you're an elder in the city. And I want you to know there's an anointing in this church. The Lord says, this is the word of the Lord, I established this church not to be a regular church, as other people count regular churches. The Lord said, I established this place to be a house of strength, to be a house of of prayer, to be a house where people can gather and then they can also have the evangelistic outreach. Because I've called this church not only to reach out evangelistically, but I've called this church to be a church that makes disciples. And the Lord says that if you're, if, if you're planted here by me, then you will be one that I'm wanting to build strength into so that you will be able to strengthen others. The Lord says, do not count it lightly when I bring you to this place and I plant you here because you should, you should be ready for the gates to be opened. And, and brother, right here, the young man right here, as Jeremy was talking about, a spirit being released for dance. The Lord's opening up the gate for you. He's opening the gate for you, and he's waiting to see if you're going to enter in. He's waiting to see if you're going to be like David who danced undignified before him. He's waiting to see if you're going to open up your heart because if you will, the Lord has things that, that beyond your imagination that he's going to work in you and even cause you to be to, to establish the work of God in others. Amen? Are you guys married? No? You looking at getting married? You got a date set? No? You talking to Pastor Don about it? Not yet? Okay. Well, the Lord, the Lord has purpose on both of you guys. Okay? Purpose. That's what the Lord started showing me when we were praising and worshiping has purpose on you. If you choose to walk together, it will be stronger purpose. It's up to you. You don't have to do it, okay? 
You don't have to do it because whether you do or whether you're not, the Lord has, has a calling that has a definite purpose in each of you. All right? And it's, the Lord says, I'm working inside of you to form that purpose. You don't even know all of it yet. But you have a strong, you have a strong anointing of the gift of encouragement. You have a strong anointing of the gift of leadership. And the Lord's going to cause your eyes to be open. If you will seek him, the Lord's going to cause your eyes to be open because he sees your prayers and he sees already the purposes that you are purposing in your heart. And the Lord says that it's not just for your purposes, but it's for my purposes. And the Lord says that which I purpose, no man can thwart, no man can frustrate. Because there's an anointing on you to lead not only people in, in, the, in outside in business endeavors and in the things of the world, but there's an anointing on you to lead men of God in the things of the kingdom, in the work of the Lord. And there's an anointing on you to praise Him. You're, you're a Miriam in the house of God. And you should be able, you should learn how to begin to lead and begin to lead others. The Lord says, worship me in private, but also worship me in public. And when I open the doors for you to lead others publicly, then you lead them knowing that just like I anointed Miriam, and she sang the song of victory that released people into praise and into intimate fellowship with the Lord, then that's what the Lord wants to do with you. It's for the purposes of God. It's for the purposes of God. You, brother, the Lord's working in you to be a man of stability, to be a man that is, that is steadfast. And he wants you, he wants you to be able to be, an, to be a pillar in the house of God so that people can see this is what it's like to walk steadfastly with the Lord. This is what it's like to be a righteous man in an unrighteous generation. This is what it's like that when this man calls on the Lord, things happen. There's an anointing in this house for prayer. I really felt like even as Brother Don was leading us in prayer a while ago and binding and loosing that when he says, we're going to get together on Wednesday night and we're going to pray, there's an anointing in this house for prayer. You've got to learn how to pray. If you're in this house and the Lord has planted you here, do not allow yourself to think of this church as other churches that you've been a part of. See that it's a new thing. It's a different type church. This is destiny for you, brother. This is the time. For you to shine. There may have been other times, but this is the time. Don't allow anything to mess it up. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You can learn how a New Testament church in the 21st century should be done. Right here. So when they say, meet in the back, and sign up for a life group, you should take that seriously. When there's a call for prayer, you should take that seriously because you are not an ordinary church. I've seen some of those who have a lesser calling. That doesn't mean they're lesser churches. It just means they might be a pinky when you're called to be a thumb. There's an anointing in this house not only to make disciples, not only to be evangelistic, but there's an anointing of fatherhood in this house. That's why you need to make the disciples and you need to train people up. That's why the anointing of a shepherd is upon Pastor Don and the anointing of a father that he's already seen it begin to blossom. Okay? This is what we're talking about, that you pay attention to revelations that are given to you. I told you, I know when I gave my life to the Lord. I know when he filled me with his spirit and a love was filled, was filled with me, inside of me for Jesus. I know when he called me to preach. I know when I was at 35 years old when he renewed that call. I know when I was reading Ephesians chapter 4. And it says that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds and teachers. And I was reading that. And I said, okay, Lord, you called me to preach. Which one am I? I know what he said to my heart when I, when I was about 18, 19 years old. I know what he laid on my heart. And I know how he worked in me for the next 17 years. And I was trying to walk in that ministry, trying to learn everything that I knew about it. 
Knowing, first of all, that I was called first and foremost to be a follower and a lover of Jesus. You should have that settled in your heart. That before anything else, you are called to follow Jesus with all of your heart. I know when he, when he put that scripture in my heart in Revelation where it says, I would rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm, li- I'm going to spew you, vomit you out of my mouth. And it keeps me, it keeps me ready to be red hot for God. I know the revelations that he's given me. You need to pay attention to those special scriptures that when he's, he speaks to you, when you get alone and you're praying and he gives you this scripture over and over and over again and it keeps you settled, it keeps you, it keeps you steadfast, it keeps you immovable, it causes the fire to burn inside of you, it causes the love, it causes you to run away from temptation and to run into the arms of God. You need to know those scriptures. I know the scripture when I asked the Lord as a young man and I said, is there one scripture that I can base my life upon? One. Is there just one? Because I need things simple. Okay. I know the scripture immediately that I may know him from Philippians 3. I know that. He comes back to me time and time again. And, it's, and he says, it's like he just, he's whispering and he reminds me, Dwayne, the first and foremost thing is that you know me. Not just know about me, but I mean touch me, handle me, see me, hear me, get to know who I am. Not only understand all of my ways, but understand why I'm doing them. Understand my heart that I may know him. Because, see, if you're going to be effective in your work of the Lord, if you're going to be useful for him, if you're going to bear fruit, and not just a little fruit, but Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. If you're going to do that, then you have to pay attention to those special scriptures that the Lord speaks to you personally. And then corporately, the Lord gives us special scriptures. The Lord causes us to recognize the things. I know, for me, as a voice in this church, uh, every time, many times when I think about this church, I go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. And it says, he says that there was a guy, Epaphras. He says, he's always striving in prayer for you. That you may stand complete, fully assured in all the will of God. And when I pray for this church, that's what I pray for this church over and over again. That you would stand complete, mature, as a a person who knows who the Lord is and walks with him. And that you become fully assured in all the will of God. As the sinews are coming together, I know when the church when God established this church. I know when it was just everything was up in the air and it started coming down. I know when the Lord started laying out the boards. Okay, I think I'm a, a, this one goes here. This one, he's still deciding, but that's what I want. And I know when he started nailing the nails in. And I know when I came here last year and the Lord had laid on my heart sinews, and it was just a, what, a week or two before that Pastor Don talked about that about Ezekiel 37 and the sinews coming together. Maybe it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. Maybe you felt the pulling and you felt the the tension because when tendons come together, they start pulling, okay? But you know what? It doesn't look like what it's going to look like. It doesn't look like what it looked like, but it doesn't look like what it's going to look like. It just look like, looks like what it looks like now. So if you don't like the way it looks like, just stay steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, because the Lord has to plant you for, in order for you to grow. And some of you, you've gone from this church to this church to this church to this church, and the Lord says, this is your church. Some of you, you haven't decided fully that you're actually going to walk with the Lord, and the Lord's calling you. 
Some of you, you've been walking with the Lord a long time, and you're not really sure that you really like what the church is starting to look like. But don't be discouraged. Hear the prophetic voice speaking. Receive encouragement in your heart. Don't be discouraged. Because the Lord's just working in you. He's working in you individually, and he's working in you corporately to cause things to stretch, to cause things to form into a new form, into a new way of looking at things and a new way that people see you. This is not an ordinary church. It has a strong calling, even like a thumb in the body of Christ. So you focus on God's calling. You focus on who Jesus is, and you focus like Paul did. When, G, when, he came to, when, he, when Jesus revealed himself to Paul, Paul asked the Lord two questions. I ask the Lord these two questions all the time. I say, just like Paul, who are you, Lord? It's like, give me more revelation of who you are. Let me know you. And then, after you kind of meditated on who he shows you who he is, then ask him. Don't get, don't get it reversed, okay? If you're a doer, then you like to get the other one. You're like, what should I do, Lord? All right? Don't get them reversed. Stay there in the presence of the Lord, okay? Both individually and corporately. And then, as the Lord reveals who he is, he'll begin to put things in your heart. But ask him, what should I do? What do you want me to do? And he'll begin to lay certain things on your heart. See, not only should this church be evangelistic in heaven's gates and hell's flames, but there are, there are other theatrical things that the Lord wants to birth inside of this church. And maybe you're not, you're not real bold in talking to people, you know, one-on-one, but you could, you could act out a place in a, in a skit on Friday nights over here in Salisbury. They could play a song or something, and you could act it out. There's all kinds of ways to be evangelistic, and this church is very creative. Do not get stuck in just one pattern of things. Learn how to be effective. But you have to focus on who Jesus is, and you focus on the revelations that he gives you, those special scriptures, okay? And you focus on the things that when God publicly confirms it. You know, scripture says that humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, And he says, and in due time, I will exalt you. All right? Sometimes due time takes a lot of time for us. All right? But when when the Lord decides it's due time, like a library book that's due, okay, that now's the time, then he will begin to raise you up, and he'll lift up your head, and he'll cause you to be able to, to see things in a new way. And then when it's publicly confirmed, see, I know what the Lord laid on my heart when I read Ephesians 4, back when I was about 18 or 19. But I also know when I was about 35, 36 years old, when I was receiving one of those foundational prophecies in my life. Did you know not all prophecies have the same weight? They may all be from the Lord. Some of them, you you know, you have to test and throw away the ones that aren't, Okay. But the ones that are from the Lord, not even all of those have the same weight. So you have to learn how to weigh things and assess them and put, put more stock in the weightier ones. Okay? Those scriptures that the Lord gives you, the prophecies. I remember when the prophet took off his coat and he publicly confirmed my calling in the church that he had planted me in. Because the Lord not only calls us individually, but he calls us corporately. There's a lot of people in our generation that don't understand that. But you're supposed to be one that, begin, is, that should be learning and beginning to understand that. Because you are not just any run-of-the-mill church. You should be able to look, begin to learn what gifts the Lord wants to use you. I know the Lord gave me the gift of prophecy, the gift of encouraging, the gift of serving. I knew that. Now, I'm not limited to those gifts, okay? But those are the ones the Lord uses me in. Those are the ones that's implanted in me. Paul told Timothy, don't neglect the gift that's within you. There are certain gifts that are within you. 
So you should recognize and, and learn who Jesus is. You should recognize and focus your, on your calling. You should also begin to see the gifts that he gives you and then learn how to use those gifts. Corinthians says that there are different gifts and there are different ministries and there are different activities. Your gift of encouragement may be different from somebody else's gift of encouragement. You may not even have the gift of encouragement, but we're all called to encourage. You may not have the gift of serving, but we're all called to serve. Those who have the gift should show you how to do it more excellently, more powerfully, more impactful. So you look at somebody that, knows, that has that gift inside of them. You say, ah, I believe even today the Lord wants to stir up gifts. And the Lord wants to release gifts. So I'm giving you a prophetic word as a church that the Lord wants to stir up gifts among you. Amen. Even the gift of prophecy. Maybe you've never prophesied before. Maybe you don't even know what it is. But I can tell you that the Lord wants to stir up the gifts and especially the gift of prophecy in this church. Now, there may be some wildfires that come out, and Pastor Don and Becky may have to come and say, that wasn't quite the Lord. Keep on learning, okay? But that's okay. All right? And don't get discouraged. One of the best times of ministry I ever had was when I prophesied and I gave the first part of the Lord. I was in a group. My first time with with them, I was on a weekend. And I'm thinking, I was always looking for opportunities. I wasn't one of the ministers. But the Lord started moving in me to prophesy. And I I prophesied and the Lord was moving and I knew it was the Lord. And the Lord stopped here and I kept going. (laughs) And I sat there the rest of the meeting going, oh, no. Oh. oh, I know what i got to do. So before the meeting, and I said, you know, when I, was, when I was prophesying and I came up to this point, everything to that point was the Lord. So remember that. But after that, forget it. <laughs> and I th- it was the first night. And I thought, any ministry this weekend is shot. It's gone. Oh. You know what happened? People came up to me and I said, How did you know when the Lord stopped and you kept going? God took that, turned it into something wonderful and beautiful because he's a God that takes everything and works it out for good. And if you're going to learn, you learn in the house. You learn in the family. Okay? So I I just prophesy right now. The release of the gifts of the Spirit. A release of the gifts of the Spirit. A release of the gifts of healings. A release of the gifts of healings. A release even of prayer and supplication. A release of prophecy. I speak a new anointing in the worship team. And in the worship of this church. And for those that will grab it, grab hold of the releasing of the spirit of dance and the spirit of worship in the house. In the name of Jesus, so that your work can be effective. Because doesn't he say that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? See, I believe even as as Pastor Don and Becky received the prophecy just a couple years ago that the Lord was going to begin to break out. That it was during that time the Lord was sending us out to the nations. And I believe it's all intertwined. Because another thing that you have to focus on is you have to focus on relationships where God plants you. And I know God's given my wife and I a special relationship with this church. And we, we just count you dear to our hearts. And I pay attention to the relationships that God gives me. That's how we ended up in Israel. And again, it may not look like what you think. We didn't expect to come back as much as we have. It looks different than what I thought it was going to look like. It's better than what I thought. Okay? So you focus on who Jesus is. You focus on the scriptures that he gives you, the key prophecies that he gives you. You focus on your relationships. And then you begin to focus your resources. You adjust your job. I took a job one time that... I'd had a part-time job actually in this building for three years. 
And the Lord sent us out on missions trips where I was working part-time. My wife was working part-time. I cannot tell you how we did that and how the bills in our household went down. And then the Lord gave me a full-time job, and I said, you know, I'm a minister. I need to have time for the ministry. And they said, as long as your job gets done, you can do what you need to do. So for almost, almost seven years, I had a full-time job that I was able to rotate my hours and even go on missions trips, and they paid me for it. So you adjust your jobs. You, you focus your resources. You adjust your jobs. You focus on the ministry. You focus on the work of the Lord. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things that the world seeks after is added to you. Because you're focusing on Jesus, his gifts, his callings. And you're focusing your resources. When the Lord told us to downsize. That's how I ended up in my other job. Took an apartment, ended up being the apartment manager within two months of moving there. Crazy. And then all of a sudden the apartments were sold. But I knew the Lord said was, was moving in our heart to give more time to the ministry. That's the calling he gave me. What's the calling he's given you? Where have you been focusing? Have other things been catching your attention? You need to cut the weeds out so the plant can grow. You need to focus on who Jesus is. You need to focus on the calling, the great and mighty things that he's put inside of you. He told Jeremiah, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Will you stand with me? Lord, I thank you for your calling on this church. I I thank you that there are some people that are receiving a new stirring of who is Jesus. How can I get to know him better? And I pray, Lord, that as they call out to you today, that you will move in their hearts. If there's somebody here that does not know Jesus, I'm I'm asking you right now, come up here and Pastor Don will meet with you. Don't wait. Come on. Lord, I'm asking you that as you stir, as you're stirring up the gifts, and some, some don't know what their gifts are, I'm asking you to reveal what their gifts are to them. I'm asking you to release it. When they call out and they say, I desire the gift of prophecy because you said that's what I should desire above any other gift. I'm asking you to release the gift of prophecy in them today. As you're stirred by the Spirit and you need a touch from the Lord, come on up, Pastor Don, Sister Becky, the elders, the leaders here will begin to lay hands on you. Because there's a stirring in the house to take the house further than you've ever been before. What it looks like is not what it looks like. It's not what it has looked like. What it looks like is not what it's going to look like. Do not be discouraged. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not ineffective. It's not useless. Lord, I ask that this church would be able to stand complete, fully assured in all of your will. Lord, I'm asking you to deal with individuals, but I'm asking you to deal corporately in this church. And I thank you, Lord, that as they step out into new realms, even new ways of doing things, new ways of doing things, I thank you that you are the one who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was a good message. And now word for now. <laughs> As you were talking, brother, in the message, the, the scripture that you gave, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, two words stand out was standing out to me. One was work and one was labor. And I always wondered, what's the difference between work and labor? Well, 
When I looked it up in the Greek, the word work there is the word ergon. It's where we get the word energy. Okay? So be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the energy of the Lord. Knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So if we do things in our own strength, we labor in vain. But if we do it in the strength and the energy of God, we get it done. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.